2: And this paper detailed how the CIA's mind control program, MKUltra, was not stopped in 1973, as the CIA had told Congress. <laughs> Hey guys, it's Jose Galison. You're watching No Way Jose. You can find this on YouTube, all the major odd and Rumble as well. This is going live on YouTube and Rumble right now for those who are interested. Uh, I don't think Rumble, at least not on my channel, I haven't got where it patches the comments through. I thought it they did recently. So I'll try to check over the rumble and see if there's questions occasionally, but it is what it is until they patch that or whatever the heck's going on in nerd world with that. Uh, today my guest is William Ramsey, and I think BX might be joining us in about 20-30 minutes. Uh, you know, just when she can. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, you know, schedules conflict, but you know we'll be we'll be talking probably the first little bit anyways about like 09 AI ideology, and then kind of get into some new major pieces of media and our thoughts on it that came out recently in this story. It looks like it's picking up steam. Uh, like I said, this is a live stream, but I do want to remind you guys, most of my content, I usually will stream to my only to my Patreon patrons. And then about a week later I'll make it public because I normally don't cover breaking news. This is only recently. This has kind of been, but I'll do that for like foreign policy and certain other stuff too. But for the most part, most of my stuff is behind the paywall. Like that last little, that little intro you saw at the beginning, that was clipped from my Jonestown series with Austin Picard. So, that, that one I think has like three behind the paywall right now. So, just saying, patreon.com, Snowy Jose 2020. The lowest level is two bucks. You get that early stuff. Uh, the highest level is my sponsors. I read them off every episode. I have Toad, who's my co host on Tower Gang, at Tower Gang Toad, then at Abrogate D's, then uh, Kevin B. Clark, a full time guitarist and private music teacher in the New York area then at Z-O-V-E-R-A-C-K, then at underscore Infinite Zeal, then Jacob Daniel of the Biblical Anarchy Podcast. I was on his show not too long ago, at Biblical Anarchy. Tim Tuttle, at Jolly on Klebold, he's the one who actually made that edit. Then at Stinky Sock 420, he's a singer of the band Bender, which is a metalcore band, which is kind of like that music you just heard there. If you like that kind of music, uh, go check him out. I also want to give a shout-out. I'm not doing a full-on ad read for my, I guess you could call him my corporate sponsor, or I need to come up with terms for this. Uh, But I did want to remind you guys, at the $5 level, uh, we're giving away a couple bags of coffee this month. Maybe we'll swap it up next month. Uh, but, yeah, uh, you know, use Jose at checkout for at foxandsons.com. That's the way you can credit me. That will keep coming back to me. Give 15% off your orders of 30s or more. Orders of 37 dollars and over always ship free. Uh, but, yeah, guys, are you guys ready to get into it? This is, uh, this is I'm, I'm getting very schizophrenic covering this stuff lately. But we're about to dive deep into the ideology of O9A. And I have just the man on for it. Hey, William, how you doing? I'm good. Good. Uh, Thanks for Yeah, no problem. I've actually been absorbing the hell out of your uh, content recently, uh, pretty, like a lot, because uh, you've done a lot of work on 09A, which obviously that's a big part of the 764 star. I mean, I say big, but it, I guess it depends on your perspective, uh, what big means. Uh, I think in a certain sense, in a practical sense, I, I don't, I mean, I'm starting to think it's not like obviously not all these guys are 09A guys. I mean, I, it's just the understanding the dynamic. But I, I do think, you know, especially for my audience, we're very interested in kind of the, the strings like we we you know where influence is being played uh, so i think that might play a part with the oni anything that's what it seems like maybe going on here so you seem to be the guy for that cuz i believe you wrote a book on it you've wrote a bunch of other stuff i know like i'm usually like a true crime guy i haven't really been dabbling in the occult world for a while so this is a lot of people are like kind of surprised that i'm even in this world now cuz i'm usually more like the I don't know, this the almost skeptical kind of guy and, you know, not, not like the guy who would say satanic panic maybe a couple of years ago and actually mean it in the unironic way. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, could you give an introduction for yourself to the audience? I don't think I'll do it justice and let them know maybe, you know, kind of why you, you're kind of the ideal guy to bring on to kind of talk about 9 a and, you know, kind of their ideology and such.
3: I wrote my first book in 2010 about Aleister Crowley. Then I followed up with a true crime book about the West Memphis Three, 2012. Then I wrote kind of a history book about Crowley's influence on the 20th century, politics and culture. That was Children of the Beast. And then my fourth book was this one that we're talking about, Global Death Cult. I published that in 2021. And then I wrote a book last year, within the last four or five months, about the Smiley Face Killers. And I've done five documentaries. One, Occult Hollywood. Two on the Smiley Face Killers. One on Occult 9-11. And then Children of the Beast. So those can be found at my Patreon. So those were things that I was interested in. I really is just a, I was researching myself. Like uh, after 9-11, I was a 9-11 researcher, independent. And really not above board. I wasn't even interested in like being an author in any way, shape, or form. But all these books kind of followed each other strangely. When I was done with one, I would have enough material to do something about another. And that's kind of where the gold global death cult kind of came out of, was these recent killings that had happened in 2019, 2020. And so I recorded them, and they came out of Adam Waffen, but they were connected to this other kind of esoteric Nazi group that came out of England called the Order of Nine Angles. So because of those happenings, I wrote them in a book, and I tried to lay it out and make it clear kind of about that ideology, the ideology of the Order of Nine Angles. And that kind of ethos in the Order of Nine Angles, I think, is the same in 764. It's kind of a nihilism, Mm. amorality, anti-Christian, anti-Nazarene, what they would call it. So they're above the law mentality. Mm. So I think that there are clear ideological similarities between the ONA and 764. And some of those people who have been caught, and a lot of the ONA guys were caught with what they call now is... uh, the acronym is CSAM, Child Abuse Something Material. I think that's But S they were sexual, some of the, yeah. yeah. the Some of the other guys in 09A were caught with a lot of that kind of material. And then some of these guys in 764 obviously were doing it. But Angel Almeida, for example, I think he was a 2021 case.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: He was definitely a member of 09A and doing really nasty, like child abuse stuff too. But his drawings gave him away, like, he was drawing the dark gods with blood rituals and things like that. That's like pure mm-hmm. order of nine angle. It's too deep in behavior, the lore to like be practice. confused yeah, for just t-
2: too deep in the lore to be confused for like, a, I don't know, a copycat or just liking the aesthetic. Specific to
3: it. It's specific yeah. to the O9A. Maybe there's certain rituals people would do for the OTO or they would do it for a Church of Satan or something like that. But those were very specific. to the, I mean, I knew it right away what he mm-hmm. was doing. Because I've seen other members do that. There was a guy out of England. His last name was Fleming and he was kind of doing the same stuff. Bleeding on papers. Mm -hmm. There was actually another criminal who was kind of ONA adjacent. His name was Daniel Hussein and he did something like that. Like he made a blood oath with a demon Mm -hmm. called Lucifio Rosifal or something like that. And then went out and killed two people at a birthday party. So... These are things that come offline and come into the real world. And kind of that's why I wanted to write the O9A, because I didn't know much about it when it first started researching it. And I don't think the public really know. And I think it's a new phenomenon without just like 764 some of the cult and these cultish that really start off the Internet. Really, that's really Mm -hmm. where the foundation of its uh, distribution of its ideas comes from someone
2: just brought up, just said it was Lucifer. Lucifer, Thank you. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, did you have any more thoughts? I, I didn't want to cut you off there, um, but I, not uh, really.
3: I mean, that's basically yeah. all my work. I've kind of, I really wasn't going to stereotype myself as kind of an occult researcher, mm-hmm. but at the time when I was putting out my material, nobody else was really talking about it. So it kind of made me irritated. So that's mm-hmm. kind of like why I wrote this stuff was kind yeah. of like as a, uh, kind of a counterbalance to the kind of corporate media like I've been screaming at the corporate media for decades and they yeah. don't re- record things although there's a lot of guys like we were talking in the pre-show who mm-hmm. cover the O9A but um I definitely picked subjects I thought people should know about but don't
2: yeah Uh, I I did find it interesting. You uh, mentioned Crowley and that's kind of what set you down this road. And I I can totally get where you got there from here because I mean, I, I mean, I initially, the show started as like a libertarian theory type show. I mean, just generally whatever I want to talk about. And then I kind of, I started getting a little bit into parapolitics. I did an OKC series, which I've kind of probably what most people know me for, which kind of blew up. Probably did like something like fifteen hours, and so then I started going down that trail, kind of you know seeing the you know the the feds and their interplay there. And at one point, I think I I just you know for shits and gigs read a uh, read some Alistair Crowley, you know, or or looked into it on some podcast series somewhere. And then once I started noticing, especially when I ended like parapolitics with the you know things like cults, uh, you know, say finders cult. Uh, stuff along those lines. I did start noticing that um, that the Aleister Crowley ideology seemed to really, whenever these occult things come up, seem to be such parallels. Uh, you know, you'd see it all the time. Uh, you know, especially his idea. I mean, I'm going to you know, butcher it, but essentially, the idea was he was trying to do the the worst things possible, essentially, and it was kind of almost being the apotheosis or you know the the opposite of God, essentially, and to make him one in a sense. So and you see this with a lot of occult, and we're kind of I think we see this with IO nine A in a lot of ways as well. Uh, so I see how you got from one to the other. Once you start seeing those patterns, it's hard not to. Uh, but let's I guess let's just get into. I know this is kind of a huge question to ask, but I guess you probably would be best at kind of giving a rundown and maybe a place to start. What is 9 as ideology. I mean, I've, like I said, I listened to a bunch of your stuff recently, so I could probably give a butchered version, but obviously I have you here. And so I want to pass this on to my audience because I think most people haven't really dug into this lore. Uh, and I think, honestly, I think a lot of my audience probably does immediately dismissive as being, dismiss it as being like fed stuff, which to some extent yeah, I think- They do is, it all the time. Yeah. That happens with Crowley to some, too. Yeah, yeah they to do it there that the is that is a thing. Yeah. There's no
3: real occult. It's <laughs> all fed. So nobody yeah. sits around and writes book or does rituals. Because they're yeah. doing it, because the Feds are behind them. Even though there may not even be an intellectual, you know, a, a federal intel or yeah. operation in Ghana, but it's definitely the CIA. Yeah. I hear that all the time. So I yeah. feel which, to
2: be fair, I, I I think both can coexist. The idea that it needs to be one or the other, sure, but I mean, it's you know. like saying
3: like the witches are, uh, you know, Jilly Rye in the 15th century was working for the CIA or something crazy like that. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. These guys are engaging in a cold activity for results they want to either have a demon or have something power in the world so that's what they do they either whether it's a dark god or whether it's satan or whether it's just an idea they're doing it for a reason right they're doing these rituals and things or whatever i, I mean i i went over all that stuff that ken lanning satanic panic it's just a complete joke a lot of the people behind the satanic panic concept or a so like why are you being afraid <laughs> of what i'm doing you're panicking well mm-hmm. oftentimes it leads to like somebody like elise pauler in central california getting taken out to a park and murdered because you guys mm-hmm. want to be a famous rock band like that's the way you think so and these I think things there, happen real quick i think there is a fair point to that because i I mean i do hear
2: full honesty i mean I you I actually said it on a post uh, on a reply to one of your posts or something I am an agnostic atheist and I've gone through that period of time where I was that edgy reddit atheist and I, I do know there is a subsect of atheists which I've always found this super cringe where they do get into like Levain Satanism or something like that and and I do think there probably is sinister stuff I don't i have never really dug into it enough towards the top level but I do think there probably is some people who do it just to be edgy and to have something similar to church where they have a community. But sure. I will say this: typically, so these people get riled up, and there is some truth to it. But it's like one of those things, like you know, with the Fed and the and the and the occult thing. It's like both can coexist. Like you know, the, these people, there can be people who behave in this
3: way, and yeah, that's they can silly. coexist yeah. independently. Yes, exactly. You don't have to yep. always be over it. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean, I, you know, it's the thing is, is that some people act on these things. Some people go looped out Christianity and think, you know, whatever. Like there's a lot of crazy Christian groups. Like I think Mm -hmm. uh, Waco, Texas, or some of these other separatists, and some of these things aren't really adhering to the the pure ideology that's in the Gospels. So it doesn't even just have to be like occultism. It could just be some uh, what what is it? Uh, The guys who were behind the Hale Comet thing. Those Uh, guys were. I mean, he was a he was supposedly a Christian, but they did they did you know self-mutilation trans and humanism stuff um so i guess my point is you know the these are ideologies that people act upon they have a Mm -hmm. philosophy they have a praxis a practice Mm -hmm. and 09a was really set apart from these other kind of strains of occult modern strains of occultism like the oto church of satan temple of set and this guy was somebody who was very much not wanting to have anything to do with Jewish mysticism or Nazarene. So what do you, you call in general is anything out of kind of like Semitic background? So he kind of created his own system out of kind of uh pagan Albion, you know, pre-Christian uh England, early England. And the integrated all this stuff really, it's really actually more um what is it? It's it's just like an early thing. So he basically started drafting it. He was writing it. This is pre-internet. So he was writing just manual after three page manual. And those three pages turned into a book. And those were sent out through PO boxes way before your time, probably in the seventies and eighties. <laughs> yeah, And that's, well that's the, just time. like a, on, on like advertisements at the back of some occult magazine. And then it grew. And then what really happened is that Corpus grew and other people got involved. And the way that he defined it, this, this group was, against OTO and against the Temple of Set and against the church. They thought that they were more of like carnival barkers, which uh, Anton LaVey actually was. So he thought they weren't serious. And the thing that did distinguish the ONA, at least in his mind, is their propensity to kill people. That was was their distinction. And there's a whole chapter in my book where he's literally writing and contesting and, and comparing his group to people in the Temple of Set. There's actually something from... Uh, Michael Aquino and some of these other people and they kind of confirmed that David Myatt who was the guy was writing under pseudonyms he was writing under Stephen Brown and Anton Long He still so know. he was really the progenitor a very smart intelligent guy seems to have family money Traveled. was in Singapore so cult you know a little higher culture than most kind of Nazis which you know uh, it's not usually the smartest group of people in my yeah. opinion but um So that would be it. And then they just kind of integrated all of these interesting concepts that uh, people could do. And, you know, just like any corpus, it grew over time. But I think really what made the ONA grow was the Internet is then it became kind of something people could find and read about cheaply and, you know, without having to pay anything. Right. And I think that's the way my intended it is was to have like a philosophy or an ideology without rigid um like a rigid practice like you have to do this you can just integrate whatever you want and so people read it and then they had these really cells is what we would call them, but they would be um they called them Nexians so they had these little groups that seeded all over the world and really it grew and grew and then you know sur- uh, criminal crime surfaced and then it came to the awareness of like uh, governments and things like that and it came affiliated with all it really was, a neo-nazi occult group i mean that's kind of redundant when you say nazi occultism it's actually pretty much the same but it was kind of like a modern take a post world war ii take on kind of nazism the same ideas like the new man the aionic change thousand year reich right hitler was hitler was a believer in aionic change much like crowley and so these guys believe in aionic change and there's going to be a galactic man homo galacticus and then there's a lesser, and they're special, and they're above the law, and I go into all this stuff. They lie all the time. They believe in presencing entities, and they have a septenary way. So it's a sevenfold way on the tree of word, the tree of fate, where you ascend. And the, I think the third or fourth uh, step is to find an offer, a sacrifice, and then kill them. That's that's like your step up. So they they're as part of their written ideology, whether it's put into practice or not
4: for free at luckylandslots.com
0: daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions
2: apply
3: see website for details is to kill somebody
2: mm-hmm. yeah which that is the key point uh, i think this is where there's like a crossroads and this is this is it right here i think where a lot of people either come to the conclusion of this is something to be you know genuinely concerned about some crazy you know group of elites doing you know spooky stuff or elites i use that loosely or it's just all made up uh because this is kind of my understanding where the ideology kind of goes dark a little bit uh because then it gets i'm assuming once you've called someone or something along those lines that would mean uh you know that they probably have a different forms of communication at that point uh, but they the, I think a lot of people you know play up the calling thing as if it, it never happens or you know, this is all made up. Uh, which I guess that could, I guess it's theoretically possible that was the intention when it was made to be just some big larp. But that would be a really weird troll. and it kind of leads left down, put a lot of effort into creating this, uh, system of belief that leads to this. So I guess just kind of like, what are your thoughts on that about, I know, just the, you know, the divide between people who kind real see world it events, see or something else? Real
3: yeah. events pr- prove that to be incorrect. There are people mm-hmm. committing crimes trying to contact the ONA or being influenced by the ideology or infiltration. I mean, Ethan Meltzer just got convicted. He was literally in the same uh, jail facility as Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein in New York City. So he was trying to set people up to have them killed on by the O.N.A. So that's one crime. Uh, there was Woodard out of Orange County. He killed a young man named Blaze Valentine and and buried him in a park somewhere. But he was more of kind of Adam Waffen. But some of those ideas had permeated in there. There was Giampa. There's killings that took place in Adam Waffen. Uh, there's all kinds of associations of O.N.A. infiltrating Adam Waffen, a certain part. So these guys are acting out some of these ideas. There's no question about it. Mm -hmm. And it's happening all over the world. Like there's other ONA-associated crimes and things like that. I mentioned Daniel Hussein, Uh, Fleming was another one. So I think that, I think it's just a nice safe, I I think it's interesting to see how people analyze this. Like how they immediately, it's it's just an interesting way people think like, oh, it's all an Intel op. It was created as an Intel op. It's pretty clear that Maya was part of a Gladio Stay Behind Network. Yeah. It was Combat 88. But, like, people did, like, there was the National Socialist Movement. There was a guy who was the London nail bomber who blew people away, killed two, mm-hmm. and, like, injured hundreds of people associated with Nazi ideology. So, you can say that the Nazi ideology is all fake, but the real world event is this guy took it, was a, he was associated mm-hmm. with Maya, who started the 9 You don't know the totality of what people have absorbed through the ONA. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, it goes all the way. The culture of the ONA, if you want to see, uh, like you don't think this ideology or it's dead or it's not alive or it's not affecting your real world, all you have to do is watch Ed Sheeran. You can go watch Bad Habits. You can read my book. It would help um, because you would understand all the symbology, uh, symbology that's in there that's within a three and a half minute song called Bad Habits. It's all there. They're just laying out ONA ideology. It's been listened to 575 million times on YouTube, and probably billion times worldwide. And they're singing to you the ONA ideology. Maybe it's just like uh, the Raelians, They're only looking for one in a hundred people, but it, look at one in a hundred people out of you know 1.8 billion listens or something like that. Um, and his association, and you can see the smiley face tattoos he's got, and the yeah. smiley face and all stuff. So.
2: Which I guess would be a good thing for us to get into, the smiley face, because what I was kind of getting at with, like, whether it's all, like, like the the idea of the cullings or whatever, the killings, like, yes, we can obviously point to the ideology, but for those who want to say, like, Question the idea of like, I don't know. 9 a not just being a runaway ideology Which I guess this would still kind of tie into it but being more substantive, I guess you know, or especially with you know, the, the idea of the cullings at least uh, I think the the smiley-face killings I mean, I've listened to a lot of your stuff on that and it seems to fit with the ideology and uh, I do think that gives us some jumping off points with you know, kind of conversation of their ideology Cause uh, and give people a better understanding. Cause I do think a lot of people are immediately dismissive of this, but once you start to wrap that's your fun. head around, shows it shows
3: how people don't look into deep <laughs> mm-hmm. things much deeper than surface. They, they yeah. won't take time to read a book. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I've talked to people so many, I mean, it's just like, have you read my book? No, I just came to this conclusion because I was in yeah. between video games and that's how deep I thought about it. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's yeah. just where we're at. We're not yeah. a smart culture. It's not a book reading culture. People are shallow in America. Yeah, That's why the whole problem. Like, So I feel these questions all the time. Why don't you read it for yourself? Why don't you look at this? You can look, go look at 764. Like there's all kinds of cases that happened in the last two years that are real world events. I don't know how many victims those guys have. And then you're going to tell me that's some kind of intel op or something? Yeah, which like, I mean, it could be. What's the op?
2: You have to get what's, pretty what's out the there intent? with your ideas. Yeah, I mean, to sow chaos. And so this would be the idea. I think many people would say that then the 09A has is, is become the op, essentially, or something along those lines. Uh, but that gets to a deeper level. But I, I get what you're getting at. Uh, but yeah, with the smiley face killings, I, I do find interesting. I know there's a lot of, you know, uh, I guess we'll have to lay out for the audience real real quick, what the MO for those and how that lines up with 09A uh, belief. I guess a lot of stuff with water and some of their, you know, different lore within it. And how that ex- it, it, you know has explanatory power for it. So I mean, if, if you want to,
3: I guess try to give a you
2: know a, sh- a quick version of that for the audience.
3: Yeah, I mean, the smiley face killers phenomenon is the disappearance of young men to be found in water later, you know, oftentimes in a place previously searched, and it's often uh, at late. It's always late at night. They're at a bar, or disappear from friends, and so that's kind of how I came and or came interested in Owen at nine A is like some kind of ideological overlap and similar stories really within the LNA of like many crimes and things like that and getting away with it. So I don't have any proof outside of what I wrote in my books, but like there's clearly something unnervingly similar between the cases and the ideology. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: With the, what the, the killings, I believe they were all what, uh, in water, they typically were, you know, men in, you know, probably in the prime of their life, you know, typically, you know, salt of the earth types is like probably the best way to describe a lot of kind Christians, of a lot of Christians,
3: yeah. over Christians.
2: Yeah. And uh, so, and uh, I believe, yeah. So with that, obviously, then the, I don't think, uh, has there ever, there's been, there actually hasn't been anyone caught for this, although there seems to be, there have been other cases where, it looks like maybe they were going to do that and got busted, I believe, if I recall correctly. I there right may there? have been
3: people busted mm. for crimes, but maybe not specifically for these types of crimes. Yeah, something very, like very, very similar, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've done, I yeah. uh, did a whole, in my new book, I did a whole section on Offender Typology. Mm. So there's a lot of kind of similar, over oh, there's like The Family in Adelaide, there is uh, Stephen Port in London, There's a lot of similar people or people with interests or underground stuff. So I think that the police aren't aware that it's very easy for the police to write off the smiley face crimes as accidents. Mm. And uh, I think the public and the families, almost all the families of these victims say something bad happened to my child. Like they didn't they weren't clumsy. A lot of these guys are super athletic, actually. Mm. So like for them to like suddenly make it to a river and then fall in and not be able to get out as a joke. Yeah. So uh, so the, most of these people met by misadventure, in my opinion, or the ones that are in my book, for sure. Like, I've looked at those cases. And the answer is why? What's the motive? Like, why are people doing this? What's the deal? Why does somebody want to do that? Are they going out hunting? Are they sexually motivated killers? Like, I don't know.
2: Yeah, which that was a component. It did seem to be there was a trend where they would. Uh, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, my vibe, my feeling I get from this with the, the, the gay side of it, because it does seem to be there were they some of these people were on Grinder and stuff like that. And right. I would assume that might have been just a method to which they were finding people. I, I don't know. I mean, that would be my feeling, but that, that's just completely an assumption just on what I've listened to of your stuff. So I might be wrong. But that's just kind of the vibe I get is that maybe that's the case. Or maybe they are looking for they're looking for homosexual males, uh, you know, that type of. Uh, but I would just assume that was just kind of a mechanism, uh, to find people, uh, that, that did seem to be a through line. So maybe there was some sexual component, but it looks like these people, uh, are getting abducted, uh, disappearing for a period of time and then ending up in, in water, uh, you know, essentially. And it looks like a drowning is, is the, uh, is, you know, kind of what it looks like here. So. I mean, where these people disappear to, who knows, but if for some reason it's just kind of a, a drowning is what it always gets written off on, even with them being disappeared for a period of time. Uh, we have BX joining us now, but, uh, sorry, can you go on, William?
4: Hello. Hey. <laughs> Hello.
2: Hey, we were just talking about the smiley face killing. I heard. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you do. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts, BX? Before
4: we... I do yeah um well so not with the smiley face killers so much but you know recently um there's been like kind of a resurgence of interest around the smiley face killers specifically with like the serial killers um the serial killers in chicago and um like uh in austin Austin, right where i live um and so i find this curious because my whole life i've lived in austin my whole life and there's always been deaths at the river. I mean, people, and and you know, it's actually kind of funny because when, when all this started coming out, I was the first to kind of be like doubt that this has anything to do with anything because I mean, people have always died and yeah, more people are dying now, but that's just because there's a huge boom in population and people getting drunk over on rainy street, which is where they're falling in. But the, the spot of ladybird Lake where people are falling in is funny. Cause I used to do security work there and I, so I'm a, I'm a, like a bodyguard. Right. and, she's like, yeah, but anyways, um, I had my, my big old blacked out Tahoe that would just sit in that cul-de-sac right there where people would fall in. Um, and the buses would stop there. Like all the buses that were taking people downtown it sounds bizarre, right? It's over by the, um, the Omni, I think the hotel down there. Um, and so the buses would pull in this cul-de-sac and let people out to go pee in the river. They would let drunk ass people out of the bus and say, go pee in the river. And then these guys would stumble down in the dark. I mean, and it's treacherous. Like, you know, there's no guardrail. There's no lights. People are just stumbling around. It's probably a 10 foot drop to the water, which doesn't seem like much. But when you're drunk and like shit face wasted and, you know, you hit your head or maybe you don't, maybe just drown. So, no, it doesn't seem that that to me was like sensational. I was like, I don't really think that this is so you know, um, you know, now the Chicago part now that I do think that there's something to that. And I have a friend named, uh, Nikki Luciano who does true crime stuff in Chicago. And she's been really big into this, um, investigation, but in Austin, um, I joined this Facebook group of people who like, basically it was a whole bunch of like soccer moms who were just had too much time on their hands. And so they, they think they're like armchair sleuths and they're like, we're going to solve the murders. Right. It's like all these moms in a Facebook chat. And um, they're throwing out some pretty wild stuff. Well, this guy emerged on the scene named Ken Wax. Did you ever see any of that, Jose? Yes, I did. I saw. Okay. I so what happened with Ken Wax is that he started to go like make these ridiculous TikTok videos about how uh, I've been contacted by the team of P- of super spies who were tra- like it was so absurd and ridiculous. This guy was so silly, and it was all like basically a ploy to sell his app or something like market his app. But um, it was kind of sad because he was in these Facebook groups offering the parents like paid Zoom calls to like help them find their loved ones or help them find their loved ones killers. And he was just like basically exploiting them and taking their money. Like, fuck that guy. Okay. That guy. Like, fuck that guy. Right. So when I figured out what's happening, I started to talk out against him and be like, this guy's adding all of these unrelated debts. Like he's adding debts from like 20 miles away in like, you know, a homeless camp. Well, the reason that they're not finding the identities of most of these people is because they're homeless. They don't have identities, right? They don't have IDs. They don't have families. And so the majority of people who were on his list were homeless and found all over the place. Homeless people die. They drown, right? Um, And so uh, Nikki Luciano reaches out and she's pissed because she thinks that this is taking away from like the actual investigative work that she's doing around the smiley face stuff. Um, And so together we kind of like, I mean, like we schemed a bit and we got that story to the Daily Dot, which is kind of like a okay, it's like a small little like kind of rumor mill, um, like tabloid almost. But they they rolled the story about Ken Wax being full of crap. Right. And he actually responded to it. He didn't have to like he could have just not responded, but he did. And it ended up getting flamed by everybody on um, TikTok. And then like I think the Rolling Stones ended up making a story about it. It was pretty crazy. So that's my story about how <laughs> basically put this guy in his place because he was exploiting victims and lying. Um
3: yeah. He discredited himself. He did a really good yeah. job of building his kind of online social media base. So he did a good job, but uh,
4: well, did you I see how we that- got started? He got started making these videos, like whining about how Google had so many great perks, but they were actually exploiting people because they were paying them less so that they could have these amazing perks. And he was this whole labor exploitation argument based around how he could bring his dog to work or something.
3: Yeah, but then he morphed as like somebody was following me. Like <laughs> yeah. he was like, somebody's following me. Yeah, he's like cars, a man all in
4: black, like yeah, showed so. up at my door and gave me this business card with the Eye of Horus on it. It's like... Yeah, it was silly, but, you know, um, but in Austin, you know, I don't think, I mean, and people get murdered too. It's downtown. So yeah, people get mugged and tossed in the river. You're a shot. lot of these guys weren't, yeah, a lot of these guys were, um, you know, weren't mugged and there were some suspicious, like, not suspicious deaths, but deaths were like, they weren't mugged, but they were drunk. They were drinking, you know,
3: um, no it's question. easy to
4: fall in down there.
3: There's no question oh. they're drinking, but it's basically a lake. I mean, it's not like. The Colorado River or something like that.
4: It's a lake. Yeah, it's a lake. But um, the drop there at Lady Bird, at the yeah. Rainy Street. At the like,
3: Rainy yeah. Inn. Right
4: the drops are pretty steep. And, you know, you'd be surprised at how people can drown when they're that drunk without really even hitting their head, you know?
3: There's a couple, though. I think the Martinez kid, I don't think he had more than two beers. So that's kind of suspicious. I think one guy Is one was recent? definitely... Yeah, I think that was 2018. Okay. There was Christian Pugh who like disappeared. He was down for like 60 hours and then Mm -hmm. they found him in some crutches. Like he was clearly drugged. Uh, Uh, no that that
4: happens too i mean people do get drugged for sure i mean a
2: good a good mo would be one that could be easily mistaken for accidents and would would have actual legitimate accidents uh, that do also occur
3: like that so
4: yeah but unlike the finally they found another body
3: today they found another body
4: i mean and that's like you can go back though through the years and see how many people have drowned at ladybird lake and it's like really a lot like you know it's People drown there all the time, but also people do get drugged. Do people get mugged? Do people get murdered downtown, you know? But I don't yeah. think it but but the other thing is Ken Wax's narrative was like trying to lump in murders from 20 years ago with the same I'm like that sounds pretty pretty wild, Ken. Um I mean that it would happen into, like 20 if, years. If
2: you, if you buy into the O9A idea of like what what what's you know their ideology. I mean culling. obviously like yeah, the culling, like this and this has been around for a while. Uh yeah, they would, would totally follow. I I think. Um, but one thing I did want to before we get into kind of the new current event stuff that came. One thing I wanted to hone in on because I, I don't know why I found it particularly interesting. Uh, and it has nothing to do. I want to be very clear. It's nothing to do with BX showing up. But it uh the, the concept within the 9 A where they seem to be attracted to this idea of like the sinister feminine. And it it's it's also like which seems to be common in a lot of like pagan beliefs and, and other things like that where they do seem to venerate the feminine. But this one seems to be specifically. The sinister feminine within 9 A. Uh, so I just like, could you explain that for your uh, the audience real quick? Because that that seemed to be some component they seem to aim towards, which I think <laughs> would understand for anyone wants. I guess uh, you know, on any everyone here knows what male and female kind of energy kind of roughly is, and I mean I think most men have probably had a you know crappy girlfriend or or, or friend that was a girl or something, and so you uh, you can kind of understand what a sinister feminine might mean, and I think. That kind of is a good way to explain both 09A and 764 and how they operate. Uh, it seems to be through, I know, subterfuge, manipulation, you know, social pressure, st- stuff like that. So I think, you know, it just I found that interesting that that seemed to be part of 09A's beliefs. Uh, so could you explain that a little bit more for the audience? With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just
3: about anywhere.
0: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: You're You're muted. Oh, you're muted. Me? Oh, a, oh. there we you go. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, please
3: well they kind of have this i think the ona is different than maybe some of the old kind of male centered groups occult groups
1: it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win
3: uh, involvement of females in different kind of groupings. They like admire the Baphomet picture. And, you know, they, I think that they have different rituals and things like that for women. So I think that their, their views are a little bit less like male centered, I would say. Mm. By reading.
2: by Yeah. Um, yeah. Someone, uh, Dr. Oh geez. Uh, Dr. Corbo said the O9A originally described the worship of a dark menstruating goddess they gave the name Baphomet to and claimed it was the same as a Templar deity, uh, a.k.a. BS, which that does seem to be, I guess, to get back to the creation of this, it does seem like he smattered together a bunch of different ideologies, which I guess some people might, you know, you know add claim to that, like, it was kind of BS, which I guess to some extent you could say that was, or he threw you know, exploration of different occult stuff. He could say he came to some revelation. I don't know. depends on how you want to look at it. Uh, but is that, does that seem to be, you know, from looking at it, have you, does it seem to be a smattering together of different, you know, prior ideologies? Like we mentioned, you know, OTO, uh, and obviously, you know, uh, we just mentioned Baphomet, Templars, stuff like that. Does that that's correspond with O9A?
3: I think so. He was a member of the OTO <laughs> and he knew Crowley types. So I think mm-hmm. he was exposed to that and then rejected it. If anything, he's really a hermeticist and a classist. So mm-hmm. he goes all the way back to kind of uh, Greek Greek uh esotericism, a lot of that's in in the ONA. A lot mm-hmm. of those ideas is what I would say that he is more fond of. And like I said earlier, like he's a he was like a, you know, pagan, a British pagan, so British paganism and that type of thing. Mm-hmm.
2: All right, let's get into the the recent. I want to talk about kind of. I guess you could say this is recent developments, although it's kind of uh, more or less just major media. I don't know what is specific if there's any specific new information that's came out. I guess real quick, BX, you might be. I believe you've probably seen the Fifth Estate video and you've probably read the Vice article by now. Uh, you'd probably might be a little bit more hip to like. Was there any real new information other than like anonymous sources? Because obviously, I don't really no. count that because that's not really anything we can you know anyone can run with. Uh, Is there really any new information? Is Is it just the fact that these two big, the Vice and Fifth Estate both ran with it, essentially?
4: I think that they both ran with it and they probably been running with like, you know, working on it for a while. I mean, probably since, you know, late last year when all this stuff started to get kind of some attention. Because there was like a wave of attention back when the FBI released that bulletin. But a lot of the attention was sensationalized like by like really like tabloid type, you know, reporters that were, um, you know, not the most, uh, not the most credible. Right. So it wasn't really something that most people took seriously. Um, but I, am glad that vice and and that CBC put that out. I really am because Mm -hmm. yeah, like you're saying, well, they didn't have that much new information, but we're small. So people don't really hear what we have to say. So it's good that that somebody else is talking about it. And I would also say that, um, you know, the, they both mentioned the O9A connection, which I was very happy about. You know, Mm -hmm. um, I was actually kind of surprised. I wasn't so surprised about Vice doing it because Vice is like covered 098 like a lot. Right. They've always been kind of like on that beat. But CBC, to me, that was like, okay, well, that's kind of cool that like some of these other outlets are also acknowledging that link. So it's definitely building up, um, you know, the public's, um, you know, the credibility around it, because like, you know, some of these people who you would think would be like talking about this have told us that it, nah, it sounds fake and stupid, basically. You know, um, so it's kind of like, well, it, there's all kinds of evidence, you just Google it, right? But people just immediately jump to that, it sounds fake and dumb. So mm-hmm. I'm glad that it's getting some credibility.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Although I will say uh there is, uh, I, I, <laughs> between the Fifth Estate and the, and the, uh, the I keep blanking on this, Vice, uh, they, they, there was definitely some spin here and there and stuff I didn't like. I will admit, you mentioned the uh, the sensationalism. I felt a little attacked at first, and then I realized, oh, now this has been reporting from the past. You informed me about some of the other stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. And they did reference within the article later something like some of the like pedo hunters and stuff and uh, that kind of characterizes maybe you shouldn't be a vigilante. I'm not sure. I mean, I'm yeah. sure we all have mixed feelings on that because well, we could be considered vigilantes, but we're no, not to no. they're doing.
4: <laughs> but if you read all the way to the end of the Vice article, they have a section in there about some like actual vigilante groups that call themselves mm. pedo hunters that are in yeah. these telegrams. And like, that's who I think they're talking about because those guys are kind of reckless. And in mm. the article itself, it even talked, they, they interview one of the guys who says that they're in their to child pornography as a way to entrap them. I'm like, that does not sound like something I would recommend anybody do. What's wrong with you? Honestly, yeah. <laughs> um, that's a terrible idea. Do not do that. So I think that's what they mean by vigilantes. I yeah. mean, we're not out there trying to like, you know, um, like doorstep these guys, you know?
2: Yeah. William, you have some thoughts. I thought you unmuted. <laughs> oh, uh, you're unmuted, but I'm not hearing any volume from you. I don't know what's going on. If there's issues with your mic.
4: I think you uh, might be try talking. Oh, oh, there you no, go. I'm
3: like talking to myself. Uh, <laughs> they had one guy who got caught in the killed in the real world, right? Didn't they have an African American guy who was like Rosen who like confronted pedos and they shot yeah, him? Yeah, well that
4: guy wasn't like Rosen though. That guy was actually like kind of reckless and I think Rosen does a, a much better job of being really nice and trying to de-escalate whereas this guy was the opposite of that. He would just go and try to basically like scream at them and stuff. <laughs>
3: okay i didn't know that but, but yeah. i mean still
4: it's dangerous yeah it is
3: like and also tra- trading like what they're doing online is really That's you can bad. get caught up in this stuff it's crazy it's you
4: not go to jail smart. yourself you know they don't really care um one thing about the um you know the vigilante aspect is like you know when i worked with alex rosen to take down this like youtube pedophile josiah by zukami it's a crazy story but um he um you know what happened before he caught on was that uh some ordinary gamers which is like a giant channel mudahar right this giant channel he did a a video about it after i would have been talking about it for a while and i kind of helped him with the video thinking this is great we're gonna get like big eyes on this well the eyes were so big that a vigilante group formed and they doxed him all over the internet but the problem is that they doxed his family where he didn't live he they doxed like a family full of kids and like his brother or something right like so that could get somebody killed honestly it's really dangerous um and it it muddies the water for investigators and it's just generally not something um that we can encourage because it's reckless
2: yeah, there probably is a line with the muddy in the line with investigators, uh, because, you know, once again, uh, I guess this is a matter of degrees to some extent, I guess people can make the argument that we're sort of doing that by, you know, some of the stuff we've done and breaking this stuff so quick and trying to get it out. But I mean, I would also make the argument that uh, and maybe BX or, or, or you, William, both of you probably can speak to this, that uh, the. You know, if the FBI tends to not really be doing their job in a lot of ways, at least it seems like that maybe they have some big grand plan. I'm just supposed to trust the plan and believe that this is all going to work out and the feds are going to come in and save the day. And, you know, oh, they caught all the, the child molesters, which they probably will eventually. I just I'm more of the opinion that voices like ours are what kind of put the screws to them to like actually do it. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I don't know any thoughts with you, with you guys. Cause I think a lot of people would make the claim that, oh, we're, you know, interacting or, or, you know, exposing their, you know, ongoing investigations in some way or, or whatever. Cause in some of the scoops and stuff, and cause I don't know, that's kind of the feeling I get is that they do almost the FBI would probably rather some people not be meddling in this too. Uh, so as not to, I don't know, make them look bad because it looks like they've been, uh, they've been, what, this has been going on for years now. So, and they've supposedly been aware of it. So what's going on? Why are we just now seeing arrests? And it seems to be only once public outcry happens.
4: Well, as far as like interfering with the investigation, I know that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, I think that the FBI is, is leaning on people like us in some ways. And, you know, uh, if they're not like, you know, they, they are watching our accounts, right? Like they are, they're paying attention and they're, um, you know, in a lot of ways we act as bait, you know? Um, so really we're drawing all those accounts to us and stuff. And so I guess if the feds were watching and monitoring, that would probably be beneficial to them in some way, but I can't really see how we'd be interfering with anything. Cause the most of the stuff that they're doing is going to be digital forensics, collecting uh, analyzing electronics and and stuff that's happening. So now I would I would claim the opposite for those vigilante pedal hunter guys that are in there pretending to be members and, you know, throwing child porn around. Down. Now that does because they might waste their time tracking these guys down um, and they end up just being some dumb guy who thought he was doing something good, but now he's got a child porn charge.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think <laughs> you make a good point. I think that the feds are probably watching everything. They're probably watching this now. They're probably watching the people watching us. So in a lot of way, why are people interested in the story? Do they have uh, ulterior motives, sinister motives? But I think that we're just repeating. Like I would never, unless I was said I was speculating, I would try not to speculate. These are all things that are already in the news. They're already being reported by the government. So I don't think that I'm trying to harass or antagonize anybody who's brought up on criminal complaints. I just don't, I don't feel like, I feel like I'm just doing objective reporting. Mm-hmm. On an important story so that other people don't get harmed or kids don't get harmed or, you know, these kids are probably damaged for life. I mean, can you imagine, like, scarring huge things? Like, the one story in the story that by Mac Lammer wrote today, like, she had scars all over her body. Like, they'll probably be there forever unless she gets surgery or something like that. Like, that's
2: crazy. Yeah, there were claims that they tried to get, they got one kid to kill their, their I think was, they might have even said the whole litter. Or at least just one of their kittens. And, like, I don't know why that one... Like, don't get me wrong, they, there's way worse stuff that we've talked about. For some reason, that was a gut punch, even reading that. Like, to to go to the point where you have that much sway over a child to where you get them to murder a kitten, which is, like, objectively one of the most adorable, precious little things in the world, other than maybe, like, an actual human baby. So it's, like, I, I don't... It's, it's just so dark and twisted. Uh, it, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I was just stating just kind of the horror, the, the horror show we're dealing with here. Uh, I, I, I mean, I guess maybe this is another side question. How have you guys? Is, how have you guys handled your with your mental health? Do you find yourself spiraling with some of this stuff? I know William, you, you've covered a lot of the O nine A. I'm usually pretty good with a lot of this stuff, is remaining, uh, you know, pretty callous and objective. But sometimes a lot of this stuff really does kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it fucking I, I have kids so if it, it, it fucks with me so I, I don't know i guess any thoughts for you guys i don't know
4: yeah it's really fucked me up <laughs> well, <I'm> simple i <laughs> like, think
3: that i think that i had you know probably too much stress or anxiety over it i don't think i i handled it that great but i'm kind of callous and used to it like i've been yeah. harassed so much for my crowley stuff in west memphis 3 like
0: plus
3: uh public i mean i've been called every name in the book i've been harassed i mean i've been tried to people try to set me up those are like my stories but like uh i mean I, I was uh i feel like that's what god wanted me to do is tell these stories because it's important and i you know so for me that's my kind of purpose is like i feel like i'm exposing this and bringing light to it so, so yes. yeah don't for sure. it, but, yeah for sure
4: yeah yeah, I, mean, I think that what's messed me up has not been like being afraid of you know like threats, but really just the the type of material that's being shared and some of the stuff that and not not so much on the 9 A side. None of that's really gotten to me at all. It's, I just yeah. find it fascinating personally. But the the child abuse and the animal torture and the gore and the you know some of the really nasty stuff that I've seen in there has definitely stuck in my head and I don't think it's ever going to leave. Um, I would, which is another reason why when people have been trying to post on like on my threads, like, Hey, here's a docs of this guy. And I'm like, please delete that because the docs includes all of their telegrams. And so I don't last thing. I I'm really trying to warn people against going and seeking this content out because it really is traumatic. Just don't see it. Like that's the point they're trying to traumatize people by seeing it. And so, and it re-victimizes the victims too, right? Because that's their extortion blackmail material that you're looking at. And so that also can, you know, the, the causes the victim stress. So I've been trying really hard to like encourage people not to go seeking it out. Um, because yeah, I wouldn't. And, you know, I guess the other thing that's really gotten to me even more than watching it in there is like hearing, like I've spoken one-on-one with a lot of the victims, And a a couple of minor victims, underage victims, um, 13, 14, 15-year-olds. And um, it's brutal hearing their stories. I mean, it's terrifying. Like, as a mother of a daughter myself, I think that's been the most mentally uh, upsetting uh, part is just hearing their stories and hearing, you know, how they're dealing and knowing that, like, they'll probably never be completely okay, right? Mm
3: -hmm. No, it's like some kind of trauma abuse. And it reminds me a lot of the... Keith Raniere, Nexium Cult, where they abused the women and then kept it against them, and Scientology did the same Mm. thing,
4: and then got them to uh, abuse others. Right,
3: good point. So you see that kind of playing out, that same kind of phenomenon playing out with Seven Six Four Cultish Cult, whatever.
4: Yeah, yeah the cycle yeah. of abuse. And like I think one thing we underestimate is like the generational nature of su- such an abuse, right? Because if their goal is to corrupt the youth, corrupt the kids and like, you know, per- perpetuate this evil sinister, you know, agenda, then what better way than to fuck a kid up for life so that they and then get them to mess other kids up and abuse other kids and now you've got this generational trauma where they grow up into adults with with issues like that and it just perpetuates itself. It's very very sad.
2: Yeah. Hurt people hurt people. It it messes. I mean, it is particularly, I mean, I, I have two, two daughters and so it's like, and I, they're kind of older now, but like there, there is, I mean, I feel like there's a common, at least maybe it's just me, but I feel like typically, especially with girls, there's this like period of time where, you know, I don't know, between nine and 12 ish usually where they're in this very bizarre, awkward, you know, transitioning phase to where a lot of times they do go through some weird behavioral, be a little bit depressed, a little bit moody. So it'd be, it's such a, messed up and but also weirdly creepily ideal time for these people to strike and we have these you know these tools that they're using and i mean i really do want to expose this shit because it's like i think people need to be aware that this is real i mean i think too many people have gotten conditioned by satanic panic to just throw just you know dismiss this stuff uh, and, you know, I mean, to be fair, I guess like they don't actually worship Satan, I guess, depending on your, your de- definition of what Satan is. Uh, but that is kind of a catch-all term, Satanism, occultism. But even if you say occultism, most people will roll their eyes. Cause, but, but that's yeah. a little bit different because they don't, usually don't even know what the hell you're talking about at that point. But it, it is just dark. I mean, it, it seems to be the MO with 764 is they catch them at this vulnerable age. They get them to self-harm. Which isn't really too much of a push if they're already depressed, whatever. And then they just kind of then pick, 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 and then you just keep see how fu- how much of their soul they can destroy, essentially. Yeah. And the whole way through, they're essentially holding the rest of their soul as collateral, essentially. Like, hey, yeah, we'll 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 completely destroy you, or at least you know your your ego, at least uh, if, if you if you if you betray us or do anything I don't like. Uh, I mean, I guess I don't really have a point there. It's just it's just dark shit, and it's just yeah. like, like borderline sinister genius. I mean, I hate to put it that way, but it's gross, and I think people need to be aware of it because this is an M.O. Yeah. out there. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, if that means uh, you need to actually be a fucking parent and say, hey, no, you can't be on this chat app because you're 12 or whatever, you know, yeah. like, sorry, you, you can't. You know, like, yeah. and, and I don't know. I mean, this – I mean, the kids I, I, are sneaky
4: too. Yeah. You know, they wait till their parents go to bed and you know, mm. like they do make really cool apps where parents can like helicopter the shit out of their kids online, see everything they do. Everybody should have that. If your kid has a cell phone, you should be able to see everything they do. Um, you know, there's no trust at that age, honestly, when it comes to online predators right um and this is the same kind of idea of like well yeah when my when i when i was a kid yeah our parents didn't helicopter us but if i were to tell them that i was skipping school to go over to some 40 year old satanist house they would definitely be like you can't do that and you know that's not one of the things that you're you know we're trusting you to do it's the same thing online you don't know who these people are so you're you should never trust your kid to talk uh, unsupervised to adults online
2: Yeah. My impression is parents, modern day parents care even less than our parents did. I mean, I had kids when I was like 18, like when I was like really young. So, uh, and I'm like 33 now, so 32, but, uh, but still, so most parents are probably like a good five, 10 years older than me, but even still, it's just like, my impression is most, it seems to be, uh, most other parents just kind of let them do whatever. And I don't know if that's just modern day parenting, at least amongst my kids' generation, Uh, and and our parents, at least, I mean, I don't know your parents, you know, BX, but me and you are roughly the same generation. they very much were like, you know, kind of let you do whatever for the most part, but I had a Nokia flip phone. Yeah. I mean, obviously we didn't, we (laughs) didn't have the tools. Right.
4: And it Uh, comes to, it comes down to a lot of technological illiteracy. Um, hmm. you know, like uh, the, the landscape has shifted so rapidly that most of our old millennial Gen X parents don't really understand technology right it's easy for kids who are really smart to like find ways around their parents uh, supervision and so it's tough because, you know, just like we found ways to sneak out, right, kids are finding ways to sneak their phones. And, um, and it's not just enough to supervise your kids online, right, and say, oh, my kid doesn't have apps on their phone. So my kid will never get in a situation. I can't tell you how many times I've seen these live streamed incidences where kids are convinced to do sexual things by these sick people, where it's like three or four girls in a room, right? They're at their friend's house. So it's the same kind of idea as like, you know, as a self-defense expert and like a gun person, right, that I tell parents, you have to teach your kids about gun safety. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: Even if that gun safety is just what to do if a gun comes out, how to immediately leave the room and call an adult, don't touch it, tell people not to touch it, leave, right? Um, Even if you don't have guns in your house, their kids still need to know what to do if they go to a friend's house and that happens. So. Um, you need to do more than just supervise your kids online. You need to teach kids uh, at an age appropriate level about the dangers online and about the strategies that these people use and how they will, will convince you of something and what that looks like. And I think that's a big gap that doesn't get talked about. We all talk about supervising kids online, but we need to be teaching our kids how to identify predators and avoid them. Um, and if they're old enough, they need to be told these stories straight up. Mm-hmm. You teach your kids about unexpl- uh, unplanned pregnancies and STDs and stuff, right? You need to teach them about extortion networks and what, what people, bad people online can do with their pictures. Um, and it really is like a scared straight situation where, you know, the kids yeah. need to see it to understand.
2: Yeah. I, I had this discussion with my oldest daughter today, actually. Uh, <laughs> so I was like, she was like, why are you wanting to know? have so many questions about like something she was supposed to be doing or I don't know, like a, a soccer game or something she was going to, I'm not going to give specifics for people out there, but she was like, "Why do you have so many questions?" I'm like, "Well, let me tell you a story." And then she's like, "Oh, okay, Dad." And I'm like, "Yeah." So like, yeah, I, I have questions. I mean, it's not that I don't trust you specifically. It's just, uh, there's another world out there, and I need to be aware of what's going. You know, everything that's going on with you, like everything. Yeah. So like, mm. uh, like that's literally my job. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but let's—I want to bring it back to uh, the the stories, and I, I did notice, and I think this was inevitable, and it's already kind of occurred. This will get heavily politicized, uh, and I, I mean, and I can already see somewhat of the angles this will probably take form as it becomes more and more politicized if it continues to gain steam, which I think it will, considering the uh, publications that just covered this. But I, I kind of get the vibe where it's going to get it's kind of become this most likely become this right wingers are racist and they bang kids and it'll be with censorship now, which I mean, there might be some arguments depending on what app you're talking about where that is the case. But I, I just I guess kind of want to get your thoughts on the politicization going forward, uh, just kind of how you, th- this will go and. I mean, I guess it is just kind of what it is, uh, you know, to some extent, uh, you know, that there will be politicization. And to some extent, it is good that the information is getting out there. But I do think people do at least need to keep their eye on the ball and probably what matters in this story as opposed to getting caught up in the gobbledygook that is inevitable to come. But, uh, yeah, Ramsey, go ahead.
3: I I would say that people have to get past the whole politicization of right and left, Republican Mm -hmm. and Democrat, and get back to right and wrong. Yeah. So let's get past the political parties. Let's get back these these false binaries and do what's right for the kids. Like people aren't doing it. I don't know what happened. Like my generation, it was just natural. I mean, there were problems, but nothing like today. So I think that this it's a distraction to say this is a blue or red issue or something like that. It's a human issue about everybody. So I would say I reject any politic. I don't know. Like what do yeah. you politicize this? Is the Democrats going to say you're a... Fascist right winger, and look at it this way: like I've, and it's interesting you bring that up, Jose, because some of the responses to our earlier when I did an interview with BX and Ken mm-hmm. Silva, some That's of the responses came out of like, how are you thinking about this? Like your mentality of looking at this problem is so skewed already before you even looked at it. Like they called me a far right person or something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not far right. Yeah, I got call called a speech.
4: Nazi the other day for yeah, sharing I'm a like, Pepe well, meme. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I don't know what you mean by that. I don't. I actually have like very, like I believe in the Bill of Rights and like individual rule of law. Like that used to be called liberal, but uh, it's funny. It is funny how I think it's really just a symptom of our society where we have to be on some kind of team that like we're all together and we think the same, and it makes us comfortable. And then there's a bad guy over there who doesn't think like us. Instead of looking at it independently and going, "Is this bad or good?" Like, it's obviously this is totally evil, Uh, you know. So I I think that 100% of the people should be against these kind of crimes taking place. So (laughs) I think if if you think, if you're thinking on those terms of, like, your parties in the right, you're out of your mind because both parties are pretty lousy.
4: Right. I've said this since the beginning. Like, if we can't join forces against these people, we're lost. Like, these are the types, like, nobody is... Pro this, no one, right? That um, that said, there's a couple of main things that I think um, I've already seen happen. Um, the first one is uh, that uh, obviously a lot of people on the left and some people, you know, on the right, center, libertarian, immediately try to lump this into QAnon, right? And, and that's a big thing that QAnon did. QAnon fucked up the advocacy space right? They made everybody who talks about child trafficking look like a crazy. And especially when you add Satanism in there, it's like, I mean, it's really, you know, I think people will get over it now that these like other outlets have started covering it. Um, and because we're putting out it a very rational way and not sensationalizing it, right? Because we're mm-hmm. showing the facts and showing what's happening and also trying to explain that the Satanism aspect is really just something to like sensationalize it for them. Like that's what they want to do, right? Um, the other way I've seen it spun and i this is unfortunate and i know you're going to see this when the kyle spit stuff finally takes off which it will um because i do believe he'll be arrested um but and i think right now a lot of these outlets like law and crime they probably just are waiting for that because they don't want to like dump the gun and put out a a piece about him and then you know get sued i don't care because i don't have any money (laughs) but Mm -hmm. um you know but when it comes to like um you know, the, the Kyle Spitz thing, the first thing I saw was like, oh, he's a femboy, boy. He's trans. It's a trans thing, right? And I got really upset about that because I'm like, you know, that's, he has this femboy boy Instagram and a lot of them do. And the reason that they have those isn't because they're trans. They're doing it to groom LGBT kids. And the truth is, is that kids who are LGBT or curious or, you know, which is every kid now, Right. Uh, but they're kids. Kids are kids. We don't care if they're weird and going through phases like they're kids. They need to be protected, period. That's not it's not an issue. Right. And the, the big thing we should be talking about is how LGBT kids are being targeted by this group specifically and how they're more vulnerable. And let's have an open, honest discussion about that, which obviously good luck. Right. <laughs> Um, but I'll tell you guys a, a story that I haven't told anyone yet because it just happened, kind of happened the other day. Well, I think I mentioned it to Jose, but like mm-hmm. um I was t- in the talks with uh somebody who was associated with Libs of TikTok um about the Kyle Spitz story, which I wasn't thrilled about, but I hadn't followed libs of TikTok for a while, anyways, because I just don't follow them. So I thought, okay, yeah, big outlet. That sounds good. Two million followers, hell yeah. Let's get that shit out there so I don't have a target on my back anymore. <laughs> right. Um but then the more I talked to them, I, I started to follow. It was a TikTok, and it's just like trans this, trans that, trans, trans, trans. And I was like, "Ooh, I don't want this article. I don't want them to put something out, and then it goes that way." Because consider that a lot of the victims are kids who might identify that way. And imagine a bigger insult, right, than having your story told and having it blamed on you know LGBT when you know that's that. So I didn't want to hurt the victims in that way. And um, so I talked to them very, very seriously. This is like. I'm only going to give you the story under the condition that it's not politicized. It's not blamed on liberals. It's not, there's no trans spin or else I revoke my permission. And they said, oh yeah, maybe we'll try to get it out to some outlets. We'll figure out who can do it. But after I said that to them, they started to just string me along, string the victims that I'd given them, uh, sent to them along and just being kind of dicks, being fucking assholes to us, straight up. Um, and so finally, uh, I had a conversation with one of the victim's moms and she told me like, you know, my daughter's LGBT and I can't imagine this coming out and ending up, you know, in this situation. So we revoked our permission two days ago for them to use our story. And they are really mad. They are really mad. <laughs> they don't really <laughs> <wouldn't> care. <laughs> they get really mad. They said, well, we have enough of our own evidence that we've been investigating. They kept calling me Hun. we We're investigative journalist Hun. Yeah. So, um, interesting. Lesson it's, too learned. Bad.
3: it's really unfortunate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's unfortunate. I yeah. remember when I was researching global death calls I reached out to a group in the UK called hope not hate and they just strung me along too. I was like, I'm really looking for this article about my called the UK's most dangerous Nazi. Can you find it? Oh, sure. And two weeks later, they wouldn't get back, but I wasn't the appropriate I didn't come out with my, left-wing credentials or whatever i don't i'm not i'm independent like i'm not i don't have any part yeah of the same. so like what do i need to do to get your help and it's like finally somebody actually found that article on archive.org which i i couldn't find it either but it worked out okay but it was just like they literally <laughs> slow rolled me like i think they intentionally slow rolled me like instead of saying go pound sand right away which i would have appreciated it was like oh yeah we'll get somebody to help you And then that guy said, oh, i get somebody else to help you. And then he said, what do you want help with? And I said, well, I've asked this question like 10 times. And then they're just like, okay, I'm giving up. But it's interesting because they got their hand out. They got their hand out for money. They want definitely money.
4: Well, these assholes man I, I could show you all i mean i won't unless they try to start some shit but like you know they basically were like talking about how i came on jose's podcast and like oh you're just giving it to any you're just giving the story away we told you we we're gonna run your story and you're giving it to other people you look retarded like i mean it was really ugly like they were being fucking awful and i was just like what like this was such a terrible experience like I, look, I was just trying to give you breaking news. Here's the info. Do what you want with it, right? Um, but yeah, man, seeing how—seems how, odd.
3: So it just goes back to like the politicization money. Jose's talking about. Like, get over it. We should all it's be working money. together. The same. You don't get
4: clicks. Around. Like, if you if you put out a story and go, "Oh, like look at this horrible child abuse ring that's very real and sad," it's like you might get some clicks. But if you go, "Look at all, look at this child child abuse ring. It's horrible and sad, and the guy was trans," like you just got you just made thousands of more dollars off of this. Cause they're making money off of it. Their accounts are it's gross. Cause then
3: the trans community comes and joins in. Is that it?
4: Well, is that TikTok is just a giant hate farm now for that. Oh, okay. It's and it's so cringe. And like, so kind of like, this is what they're focusing on instead of like the real issues. Right. Um, and so I'm glad that we didn't, I'm glad I like, it's a weight off my shoulders that we figured out what, that this was a terrible idea and revoked it um because yeah they can make their own story sure i can't stop them from doing that but like i don't want them to i don't want the victims to feel like i led them to a, an outlet that was going to do them dirty like that would really fuck me up
2: on the lgbt <laughs> point though uh, i mean i don't remember if kyle did this specifically but i know this was you know there were multiple seven six four people that would do this where they would kind of farm around identities And I think they would intentionally infiltrate, you know, LGBT or, you know, different types of not necessarily just LGBT groups. uh, And they would, you know, pose as them. So I think there were some like fake trans or, or femboy or whatever or gay accounts out there where they were just stealing other people's identities. A lot of times people that they had actually groomed prior uh you know in different situations and they would just steal their identity and use that for uh fake ones to lure other people towards them to do the same thing all over again kyle Spitz
4: was doing that he was using another person's pictures from instagram just pulling his pictures and putting them on his page Uh, so
3: like that's how dangerous it is like yeah like it's a catfishing too right isn't that what Mm -hmm. they were
4: catfishing yeah
3: catfishing like so they're catfishing the kids yeah i mean adults get catfish so imagine if you're 12 or 13 like you don't have any
4: idea but even before i was researching this stuff you know i was on to a lot of grooming i've seen a lot of grooming in discord servers i've seen a lot of other malicious just individual actors not coordinated networks but just bad people child groomers on discord and stuff and like it is almost it is. So much more common to see them targeting LGBT kids and targeting them because of their confusion and preying on that vulnerability. It's a vulnerability on top of being a kid's already, you're already vulnerable. But now on top of that, you're you're giving them this like, oh, your parents hate you. Your parents don't accept you. Your parents don't accept your gender identity, right? You are you know, these people don't accept that we do. We accept you. And so, yeah, they're using that as a tool to groom kids. We should talk about that. We should really, we should talk about that in a nonpartisan way. Um, how do we protect our kids from having, um, you know, this vulnerability exploited by people?
2: Yeah. Um, I one kind of one last thought on the new media and kind of spin that they're putting on it. I have noticed Uh, And I think there might be some nuance to be had in this conversation that uh, and this is kind of what I was getting at where like kind of keep your eye on the ball because a lot of people are going to want some sort of solution to help with the problem. Uh, And I think a lot of people are looking immediately at legislation and specifically in regards to a lot of chat apps and stuff. And and I'm kind of a Luddite when it comes to tech stuff. So, I mean, I would say depending on the thing that there might be something to that, depending on what specific platform we're talking about and stuff. Uh, but I do think that's the knee jerk and most people don't understand the nuance. Like, uh, I don't know, certain, uh, certain apps that, 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 may not be feasible depending on the purpose of it to have a hundred percent, uh, you know, uh, unanonymous, you know, interactions with it or whatever. Like, for example, hell, even my, my, uh, this is an open secret on my show that my name's a pseudonym. Like I, I I started this when I was still active duty military. So like, I just was, you know, and other reasons as too, for example, you know, the, the story I'm covering right now. I mean, I, I wouldn't be like super upset if I got doxxed, but like, I mean, whatever. I prefer not to, especially considering some of the stuff I cover and, you know, why would you want that information out there? So there is legitimate, you know, uh, reasons why people want anonymity on the Internet. Uh, and, and it may not be feasible to completely legislate this away. Uh, and I, I think maybe the real you know, point should be kind of, you know, parents be more aware. And then also, I do think there is definitely something to be said in the law enforcement side of things of, hey, what are you guys doing? Uh, how was this not dealt with a long time ago? You guys have inflated budgets and ability to do all sorts of other things. Apparently, you know, lock up every person in the, you know related at all to J6, uh, you know, in in the most efficient fashion possible. Uh, but we don't have the uh, I don't know the will to deal with literally kids being sexually manipulated and in some cases actually molested and child porn and stuff like that so I, I mean i guess just kind of you guys' thoughts on that generally uh wherever you want to take it because i think there's something to be said that the knee j- jerk reaction is we must legislate
3: yeah that's not gonna work i would say that it's we're in a new era of online mechanics or phenomenon or whatever and just like my kids were taught about stranger danger in the real world i think it's time to have something like that whether it's in class i don't you know the public schools or private schools maybe set aside a time to people miss a day and actually get you know some of this training like hey this is what catfishing is this is what some people do these are terrible stories about you know uh person x this is what happened mm-hmm. to them this could happen to you so mm-hmm. maybe there's an educational thing and this i think is helping because this will you know be like uh Pebble in water will ripple out, and people will be like, "Oh, guys, you got to watch out." So I think just being aware of these dark issues—I mean, especially for adults—is uh, uh, the first step. But I think there may be additional training in a place for like online. I mean, and it's there's so much online nightmare stuff about bullying, this kind of thing. Uh, people's reputations getting busted because somebody took a picture of them the wrong way, so there has to be some kind of like place. Whether I mean, ideally, it comes from the family. I think a lot of these victims are atomized or uh, isolated, that's why they become victims. So that's another problem. So maybe there's a place with the state through the schools to teach people or kids about like what can go wrong, just like they like when I was growing up, they had us take. Gosh, I'm, I feel like we took like five hours of like learning how to drive and horror stories about drinking and driving. Yeah. And I think it was good. Like they mm-hmm. showed us stuff that would be crazy. That was called Blood on the Asphalt. This yeah, movie, I remember was, that one. Oh yeah, my god, no. Blood on the we Asphalt. We would be though. like, oh wow,
4: this is <laughs> like
3: there was literally like a
4: human dead heart bodies on yeah. the
3: asphalt by itself. That's what they would show us. I mean, it's terrifying. But I never got in a drunk driving accident. Yeah. So maybe that that's like the society, the resources of the society have to be changed. Maybe the FBI can put out like this thing about 764. Maybe they can put out like they actually, in that 764 missive, they actually showed things to avoid, right? Mm-hmm. They said, this is happening and this is how this doesn't happen to you. Or so, how to
4: look for signs of it on your kid by bruises right, and yeah. Right.
3: So I think public awareness is a, a panacea. It is an inoculation for these types of things. So, getting the message out, I think, is is a better solution than just legislating it, because this is the real world that we're in now. Everybody has a phone. Everybody's online. So, I think that's a good first step.
4: Yeah, I was gonna. I mean, exactly that. And I would also add to spin off to that, um, because I agree with everything you you said, obviously, um, the inoculation uh, portion, which is interesting you said that because I was like in my mind, it's like the first word out of my mouth is going to be this inoculation, right, which there is a lot of evidence that inoculating people to stuff like this can really help them make better decisions when they're presented with that avenue in the future, the flip side of that is that the inoculation theory is definitely being abused along with all of these other kind of concepts of censorship, like preventing things. And, um, you know, it's it's being abused by people with political agendas who get federal grant money to um, to go, you know, push these like programs on kids. Like there's one, the DHS TVTP grant program, which I've been talking about for months now, um, but there's one for like eSports where they're basically tricking parents to put their kids in this eSports team, which is secretly a DHS funded inoculation, like, you know, where they're like, all right, we're going to give them surveys about how racist they are and then have them play all these games and then give them more surveys about how racist they are and then show them video and then test them again. I'm like, but nowhere in there does it say that they're going to tell the parents or the kids that they're being targeted by this like psychological study, which to me is just like alarm bells going off, right? State-funded psych studies, not good. Yeah, that's
3: psychological (laughs) warfare, that's psychological
4: warfare. Yeah, so, so that's the, that's where – but they're doing it under the guise of, oh, inoculation therapy, we're keeping kids from being, falling into terrorism, right? So you got to be careful, like, that the state doesn't actually oversee that shit. <laughs> um, but then I'll also say um, another kind of aspect of this that I was actually typing up a tweet about it that I'll probably post tomorrow because I saw something about Eliza Blue. She's a, a Twitter child advocate, and she hit the nail on the head by saying that some of these uh, these child exploitation issues on social media have made their way into these vast, overreaching online censorship bills. And they've basically been the fodder for these bills. Like, oh, see? See this huge, horrible problem here? We need to censor it, censor it, right? Because of the kids. And obviously, that's very emotional. Like, it's like a, definitely an appeal to emotion, right? When you're trying to, to convince people that you need this vast, overarching online censorship bill. It's an online safety bill for our kids. And some parts of the, like the UK online safety bill, some parts of it were good. Some parts of it were necessary, but then other parts of it were just absolutely just intended to censor people. Um, And so that's what, you know, she had kind of pointed out that um, in a lot of ways, platforms not being able to control the child exploitation material leads directly to um, this legislation of, of censorship. And so it's in the platforms, it's not just in the platform's best interest, but in the country's best interest for platforms to proactively do this kind of thing. But we know that doesn't happen, right? Like the Twitch thing, you know, Twitch didn't actually get their shit together until Bloomberg blew up the investigation about that massive predator ring. And the government stepped in. The UK, you know, Ofcom stepped in and said, fix your shit, Or we're going to tank you in the UK. You're not going to have a platform here anymore. So obviously a big, you know, big, huge company like Twitch is just going to bend over backwards and do whatever they say. And so that's what we're seeing now. Twitter is doing the same thing. Don't let them fool you with their, you know, we're not for censorship nonsense. Um, You know, they're what, in fact, I was the tweet that I'm making right now. It has to do with how I was banned on Twitter a few months ago for 10 weeks with no reason. In fact, when I came back, my Twitter, like, uh, my data didn't even show a violation. So they just banned me for no reason. Mistake, right? Um, and it just so happened that the same week they banned me, I had started to t- speak out about this problem that Twitter was having with um, bots spamming links to Discord servers where they were selling child pornography. Um, and the links that they were spamming, they were the bots were spamming it 100 to 200 times per minute. So, like you would type in the keyword, which I can say it now because they fixed it, but the keyword was discord. So if you type discord into the Twitter search for about eight weeks, if you type discord in the Twitter search, you would just see child porn like, and it was horrifying and people at Twitter didn't even know what to do. Um, you know, and so when I finally started speaking out about it because they didn't fix it, they didn't fix it. It was eight weeks that we had been screaming about it to them. Um, and then they banned my account. Ten weeks on accident. Whoops.
2: <laughs> all right, guys, we're getting a little longer here. Yeah. so uh, if, uh, let's let's get out of here. I appreciate you guys' time. Uh, William, can you let people know where they can find your work at? And uh, hopefully, we'll talk again soon.
3: Oh yeah, my all my books are on Amazon, and you can get signed copies at my website, William Ramsey Investigates, and my podcast is in the top point five percent in the world. It's like top fifteen thousand, and you can hear all my you can listen to me drone on a wide variety of different subjects, but I have a lot of good guests. I have some other interesting, a lot of authors and things like that. So yeah. If you want to dig into
2: the lore of, Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. (laughs) 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 Uh, But if you guys want to dig into the lore of 09A, I highly recommend going to your podcast app and you can just type in 09A or order or whatever in the search bar and look through all of his uh, material and you will find a ton. Uh, You have more than enough, uh, you know, research you can do there uh bx where can they find you at
4: um bx underscore on underscore x um then there's a link in the bio there if you want to follow the breadcrumbs to my other links
2: <laughs> uh someone asked if we could do i a Q&A. i'll do a couple uh, i kind of gotta, gotta get out of here if, if you guys are okay with that otherwise uh we'll, we'll just have to not <laughs> so yeah sure. they're masking yeah yeah do you guys have any time. questions yeah, maybe some other time. Let's get out of here. Hey, I have a Patreon, and you guys, I give the option when I drop these in the Patreon to ask questions ahead of time, so you guys can do that if, if that's what you want to do in the future. Uh, otherwise, it's at my whim when we do questions for these live streams. But uh, with that, we'll get out of here. Appreciate you guys' te- time. Appreciate everyone who showed up. Uh, and we are out.
0: 18 plus.